You've selected Country AF Radio on demand. Can take it with me anywhere. Plays whatever I want. You've heard of TED Talks. Now listen to Toad Talks. Country AF Radio. You're sitting here with uh, Toad and what's your name again? Tim. Shmim Tim Montana, the one and only Tim Montana. I've got stories, but let's talk about you. Oh my gosh! Wait, let's talk on. about me for a while. I'm going to say that my stories are about you, though. I spent some time with you in Nashville, and uh, it's a little different. A little, it little is different. different. Yeah. It's different. My garage is its own country, dude. It is. <laughs> it it literally is. And um, you uh, do you call it barbecuing or smoking? What would you call um, it? we do a little bit of both. They're different things, but right. for oh. different reasons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cigars and barbecue. I'm talking cigars, of course. Funny. So we, we had uh you made us dinner, it was cute. You tried to get in our pants, that was not so cute because I was uh, there with my girlfriend. I got there, duh. That was Chris, and you were blacked <laughs> out, so that was different. <laughs> Super fun trip though. The hospitality was great at your place, kind of like it's great here for you from us, right? Oh yeah. You yeah. returned the favor. Exactly, all day. Last week, was it last week when you were out everywhere? Yes. Pushing American thread. Yes. You started uh with a phone call into uh the Stormy Warren show, I think. Yeah, we did the highway phone call in Stormy Warm, my old buddy over there. Yeah? Yeah. That was pretty cool. I listened to it. It was a fun phone call. Fun phone call. Yes. They didn't play your music. No. But Country AF Radio plays your music. That's right. I don't care what the hell. You can send us a song. If you wanted to call it Rockamole, I'm just saying we'd play it. <laughs> There's a rumor that there may be a Rockamole song coming out. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And then you fly to New York. Yes. And you spend some time with Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern, so it was John Hine, uh, not Howard Stern. It was not Howard, Howard Stern's wrap-up show, but it okay. was John Hine, Baba Booey, and Rasan. How was that overall experience? That was awesome. We got to talk like really dirty on the radio, and there's millions of listeners that, you know, um, but it's all things Howard Stern on the show. So they were talking about sports, and the guy's looking at me, and I'm like, ah, kind of shaking my head, like, I don't know shit about sports, periods, football. I don't watch any of it. So There's not one sport you, you look at at all. No so, car racing, no boat, bike racing, nothing like that. No, nah, I mean, I watch, I'll watch like the Super Bowl World Series. They had our song in the World Series once, but I know nothing about what's happening, right. why, and why. I, and I don't want to insult people, but I just don't find it interesting. It's just not your thing. No, I, I mean, you grew up without TV. You grew up without a, out, of, right. out and around. It's like, you know, you don't grow up seeing people watch it, so then you're not intrigued by it, you know? So we're Let's, always outside, splitting wood, you know, snowmobiling, right. uh, digging outhouse holes. That's my sport. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and then filling them. <laughs> you, you got the gold in all of that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I heard you talking. I don't know if you were talking to me. I probably wasn't paying attention if you were, but um, <laughs> you told the story <laughs> of growing up. Uh, you didn't have any electricity or TV or anything like that for a while or something? Yeah. yeah. We had, we'd watch movies on Sundays. We, we had this generator, right. and it was like up the hills. He'd go trudging through the snow when it was, it was winter most of the time. And you'd have to pull start this old diesel, like I forget what it was, an Onan or something generator. And if you were lucky enough to get it started, then we'd go vacuum the carpeted parts of the house. And then we had a little TV with a VHS player. And we pretty much watched Rambo or Terminator movies. You know, then that's it. That's it. <laughs> On Sunday, you know, we get a little movie time. So Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, your goal as a kid, I believe it was your, your, your mom told you this story about how if you try hard enough and work hard enough, you can have anything in this world you want. What was your first goal to have? Man, I always wanted to do music. I remember finding the Marlboro Country CD that my mom smoked her lungs away for. <laughs> you smoke enough cartons, you'll get a free... Uh, it wasn't a CD, it was a tape. Right. I'm dating myself now. And then I found another tape that had Mr. Brownstone on one side and Welcome to the Jungle on the other. So, you know, to this day, my curse and my best friend is the fact that I'm a little bit of both of those things. Right. People don't seem to understand that in the music row world, but I don't understand them, so it's perfect. 
you you tell this story that if someone were to explain Tim Montana, um, and you put two people together, three people together, it was if someone had a kid, someone else raised them, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If uh, what was it? If ZZ Top and Waylon Jennings had a baby and Kid Rock raised it, his name would be Little Timmy Montana. Little Timmy Montana, dude. <laughs> I like that. There's nothing wrong with that. After um, Howard Stern, the wrap-up show, you guys headed over to Fox and Friends. Yep. And that was all on the same day? No, that was the next day, but that was like a 3 a.m. wake-up call, so it was hard to celebrate Stern. Actually, we had a day off, so we did go crazy that night. Uh, we met this guy, Aton, that's uh, Justin Timberlake's business partner, and they own some restaurants in New York City. Right. So he like took us to this five-star dining establishment. Mistake. Yeah, <laughs> and kept the old fashions coming, and the next day, Rob O'Neill called. He's like, how's my boy? And he goes, let's just say it didn't take any armed personnel to get him out, but he did leave eventually. <laughs> wow. That's pretty funny. Usually it takes cops to get me to leave places. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, it's a good thing we got like 12 of them. Yeah, I think and uh, two actually professional ones coming in tonight, which is a, a super, super good thing. Riot gear, you know, yeah, I like it. Yeah. What? Riot gear, right? No, well, maybe, maybe I should make a call real quick, right, and just be like, "Hey, dude, we've got, we've got issues." Uh, he supports the police until he blacks out. Until he blacks out, it. then he supports himself, and that's it. Right. Um, he thinks he's the police. I accidentally got on the phone with you and your wife last night, and she and she, my kids, I and your kids. I did not you know cussed, they were in the car. an awful lot, but I think dude, they sleep. So not the truth, you. <laughs> You made mention that your your wife said that we we should wait until your kids are old enough to move out of the house before uh, you take a year off in your career. <laughs> I'm going there, bro. I'm going there. That's part of sitting down with Toad as we talk about your deepest, darkest secrets. So do you want me to tell them or you just want to spit it out? Where we were, the funniest thing was, so we went, we started, you know, we did the Howard Stern wrap-up show and then we did, uh, we went to Fox and Friends and then we closed out the evening in Greenwich Village and we went to this place it's called the Stonewall Inn. It's like the most legendary gay bar of all time. Right. <laughs> so we partied there all night. And I'm just hammered convincing all these guys, like, I'm from the woods and I have AK-47s, but we support gay marriage. And I'm just like, okay, dude. Yeah, whatever, bro. <laughs> so I told my wife, I'm like, God, I love hanging out with you know gay people. It's just a fucking blast. And I said, someday in another life when our kids grow up, I'm just going to go to New York and be a gay bartender for a year just to you know see what's up. Right. See how it works out for <laughs> Don't you. Don't know that I could actually do any of the gay other than just claim to be gay and bartend. You right. Know, but... Do you think that you have to be gay to work at a gay bar? No, definitely not. Yeah, I wouldn't You don't have so. to be gay to party there. That's That's, I mean... True. They enjoyed having a bunch of bearded dudes in there, and I'll bet we're the only people to do Fox and Friends in a gay bar at night. So, yeah, that's kind of like an oxymoron in some yeah. sense. Like yeah. the same, the the to to put that in the same sentence. Um, we don't rude. judge. We don't do judge. not judge. Um, that's kind of neat. You should probably like uh, keep that. I just watched a thing on Cassidy Pope the other day, and she was probably one of the only people to ever be on the Vans Warp Tour, mm-hmm. and also play the Opry. Wow. And I Very thought that cool. was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, but now you've uh, a bearded straight guy in a party in a gay bar, All right? And right. Fox and Friends, yeah. And Howard, <laughs> well, Howard Stern, I could, I could. Oh, he's yeah. yeah, he's cool. American Thread is kind of like taking off for you guys. Let's go back to the writing of the song. Who'd you who, who'd you write that with? Uh, Mike Fiorentino and Josh Stone. John Stone, Josh, Josh Stone. Stone. Who's that? I don't know who that guy. He is. wrote Brantley's new single. Uh, so what happens in a small town? What happens in a small town? My she was just that. here a couple weeks ago, and I asked her the process of how that song came together. And he was writing the song, and uh, I want to say that Scott Borchetta stepped up and said we should put a chick in this. What do you think about Lindsay L? And that's, that's the cool. way that kind of song wow. came together. I was sitting in here with uh, a mutual friend of ours, um, um, Jake Rose. Mm-hmm. A while back, you've written some songs with him. Yeah, yeah, we wrote Cowboys on the Run together. Did not know that. So 
after I spent uh, uh, an evening with you, mm-hmm. hanging out, uh, not drinking like you guys do, and uh, whatever you left, those I did needles. drink that night though. You'd be very proud of me. I don't know what those things were in the can, the vodka spritzers. <laughs> he came in here. We we're talking about some stuff and and how country music in Nashville is so intertwined in the sense that everybody writes together. And I brought you up because it was just I think he was the next artist right after I came back, maybe the week after. I think Ben Gallagher, and then it was Jake Rose. But we were talking about stuff. And he's like, dude, I totally wrote that song with him. I was like, dude. I love that song. Like, yeah, that's a fun song. That's it is fun, and you're gonna play that tonight, right? Oh, duh. duh. Okay, so let's go back Cabo to American Thread. <laughs> I like that tune. You went back to uh, Butte, Montana, to film the video for that. Yeah, with Pastrana. Yeah, Travis Pastrana came up for a day. It was really cool. It was yeah. really cold. Have you ever hung out with him before? Or was that the first time? Oh yeah, yeah. We He's go, your buddy. We go back ten years ago. He wrote really sweet posts on Facebook about meeting me at Evil Knievel days years and years and years ago. I met them, and they're like the whole Nitro Circus family. They're just they're freak show athletes. First of all, they're right. hilarious. They, whole nother level. Oh, whole nother level. Like they're just like, oh, look at these guys beer bong, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna do a backflip, Superman sideways, blah blah. blah. You're like, with huh? your beer bong, yeah, with the beer <laughs> bong, and they'll like pull it off and then continue beer bong, and you're like, you guys are really talented and special. They, uh, uh, my buddy Dave, that runs Vegas Indoor Skydiving here. Whenever Pastrana comes to town, they go in there and they just have a blast in that place. And yeah. yeah. You ever I've done heard that? About that. I've never done it, no. We should I'm supposed it. to skydive, but I've been putting it off. We got offered by some military guys down in uh, uh, SOCOM in Tampa to right. jump with active duty operators. And that's tandem or, or? Yeah, tandem. Yeah. But they said we could take a class that's three hours and jump solo if we Fuck wanted. That. And I was like, three hours? I'm going to dive out of an airplane with a bunch of operators? I'm like, nah. no fucking way. I was 21 years old, drinking. Uh, and one of my buddies said the next day, he goes, dude, do you remember last night? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you said you'd do anything. And I was like, okay. He's like, meet me at North Las Vegas airport this Saturday, 10 a.m. I went, he goes, and bring your checkbook. I went, all right. Showed up. I jumped out of a fucking plane. Tandem. <laughs> Still shit my pants. And it was, I was just like, it's, I mean, I was. actually poop No, pants? no. Just, but they did one of those things that I'm sure that they're pros. Like, I'm not. Uh, during the class, they tell you that when you get to the door, when it's your turn, you put your arms like this and they rock one, you rock two, and then on three, you fall out. Yeah, they fell out on two because they said everyone on three goes like this, <laughs> puts their hands out and holds it. So, yeah, it, it was an experience that uh, I enjoyed. My buddy Dave has a bunch of flights and loves it. I'm just like, dude, I'll do the indoor skydiving thing all day long. Yeah, but that outdoor be- thing. Scary. Dude, how about Travis jumping out of a plane with no parachute and going catching fucking Red Bull and catching some other dude? He did a ramp to ramp jump with my band and wife in a vehicle and took his hands off the wheel. And I knew what he was doing. We played his 4th of July party and we pull up to Pastrana Land and my back was out because I got bucked off a pony the week before in Montana. So I like to go pony riding when I'm hungover, bareback, <laughs> right. showing off like a cowboy. And just a these, are, these, these are all just references, but go ahead. <laughs> this little fucking pony just whipped old boy's ass. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was paralyzed. I was like, oh, God, tell the kids I love them. But anyway, so then the next week we go to Pastrana Land. And my mom was convinced that Jesus bucked me off that pony because she's like, oh, Timmy, I knew you were going to do something dumb with that, Travis. And Jesus said, uh-uh, right. not this time, pal. But as I'm there, I said, Travis, I can't do any cool stunts. He goes, hey, man. Get your band in this razor with me. And they get in, and there's one seat open. He goes, hey, I need another person back here. And I'm like, that fucker's balancing that vehicle right now. Right. And everybody gets back with their hair, like, standing up, and their jaws drop. And they're like, he just did two ramp-to-ramp jumps with people he didn't warn. <laughs> they're just cruising along. Oh, No, thanks. Boom, in a van. In a razor. Oh, a razor. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's fucking nuts, dude. He's a nutcase. But to get back to the story of him in Montana, so... He wrote this sweet post about meeting me 10 years ago, and then he went up to this trailer house to this 
you know, I'm not going to call my mom an old lady. She's a lady. She's 70. But she still lives in the trailer house off the grid that I grew up in. She's still up there. She carries a Glock 17. She'll pistol whip your ass quicker than you can say, oh, boy. Right. And uh, Travis was like, man, what up there? Mom's making him soup. And she had him write on a piece of paper what he does. And I see, like, X. She's, like, writing out, like, X Games gold medalist. Travis, like, spells Pastrana wrong. I'm like, good God, Mom. That's funny. But he was up there, and he filmed these scenes, and then he flew out, uh, I think, to Texas. But it was pretty cool. That guy is a busy dude. I can only imagine. To come up there and be like, he was just like, yeah, dude, of course I'll be in your video. You're part of the family. I'm like, thanks, Trav. That's pretty rad. And the video is taking off right now. Yeah, we put it out, like, no budget behind it. I think it said 400-some thousand views on Facebook, and he shared it, and it had over 100,000 views, and... All these vets in the vet community, and I keep getting messaged by cops and truck drivers and you know first responders. Yeah. And some mailman messaged me that I'm helping him get through his day of delivering mail, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, America, old boy!" That's old boy. That's what I want to go gay bar hopping. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Greenwich, brother. Only, Only in Greenwich. Greenwich. God that's, bless Greenwich, dude. That's 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 great. Next, your next single is. Um, Mostly stoned. Mostly stoned. Yeah. I wore my T-shirt last week when Michael Ray was here, and we had a nice conversation about you. Michael Ray's my homie. Yeah, he's a cool dude. You'd never think that no. him and I... Dude, that's why I sit back at the same time and I look at a guy like Jake Rose. You guys are totally a different vein. Right. And But it's becoming more common to me than when I sit down in these rooms and I, and I talk to these people, the stories that come up. I'm like, holy shit. I just looked through um, Michael Ray's Amos album to look at everyone who wrote on it. And he doesn't have one writing credit on any of them, but he's so close to that music, which I think is pretty fucking badass. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's a rarity in any other genre that this this sort of thing will happen. And that's when, I mean, what's your story with Michael Ray? How, how did you guys meet? Man, for years, people are like, you got to meet Michael Ray. You got to meet Michael Ray. And I was just like, you know, okay. Like, kind of look at him like he's a pretty boy. Like, I mean, what what are him and I going to have in common? And you know, uh, just, Greenwich. Yeah, Gre- <laughs> and then we went to Greenwich and we bartended. And, uh, da, 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 da. Um, but anyway, actually, Stephen uh, Barker Lyles was the one, too. Another person yep. was like, dude, you got to be Michael Ray. And I meet other people, dude, you got to be Michael Ray. And then finally, I forget where it was the first time we met, but him and I just freaking hit it off. And then I went on tour with him. And I kind of had to like, we did a bunch of dates and it was really successful for us, you know, and you wouldn't think me opening for Michael would be a good fit. Right. But like night one, I realized like his audience is probably 80% female. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of, what I did is I'm like, shit, usually we're like, yeah, I broke this bottle and I shanked this biker one time. Y'all want to get your asses whooped? So I'm like, okay, this doesn't work, this audience. Yep. Let's dial it back. Let's do the Katy Perry cover. <laughs> Let's talk about my wife and let's talk about my daughter a lot more. And all of a sudden, merch sales just started spiking. So I'm yeah. like, all right, we can play to this crowd. You know, they kind of like the big, burly, sweet guys. So I had to tame it down. But, yeah, the lie. Yeah. I, I, I think that the nice people all hang out and the cool people all hang out, you know. and There's a lot of douchebags, though. I don't know that they hang out. They probably do. But I say that it's like 80% douchery and 20% right. real. You have to, like, a, a fine-tooth comb, pick through them, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm working on something um, for Chris. I took the picture after you fell asleep standing up and we were waiting for the uber out in the street after before i was gonna beat up your pop singer buddy (laughs) chris was waiting for the uber and he kind of just took a seat out in the street out in front of your house that's right it's a good street to lay out i'm telling you dude the picture i got i'm actually blowing it up on a piece of metal and then i'm just gonna uh, impose the word defeated in there and then put the date probably put your street address on i don't give a fuck whatever (laughs) no one will know nobody will know but I mean, at that the memories of that night, because getting home, he was so hammered getting home that he got mad at someone that wasn't even there, that Stevie Mons. I could stub my toe in Antarctica, and it's that fucker's fault. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm surprised he's even a musician. I don't even uh, understand him. Fuck, him. Fuck Stevie Mons. That's all I got. We don't play his music on this station. Because, <laughs> never. You know, don't do it. No, we don't. I've never written with him either. Have you? Or no? Totally. We wrote a great song together. Which one? Sunshine. I don't know. Is it yours or his? Uh, I think we both do it. Yeah? It's just kind of a fun little beach song. I'll put it out at some point. I'm going to do a beach record. I want to do a rap record. Maybe a classical record. You're just having fun in this game. Yeah, man. You'll never put me in a box until I'm six feet under, you know? Dude, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, um, my favorite story about sitting down with anybody here was with Cody Johnson, who's just blowing up right now. And he, he's on the grind. That dude, like, I always say that if you get an opportunity to listen to that interview and you're an up-and-coming artist and you're doing what you want to do and you don't believe in it, what you're doing, because you think that you have to conform, that's the interview to listen to. Because he talks about how he knocked on every door. And he's he's a gentleman. And uh, they would say, like, dude, I'm going to need you to change this about you. And he would tip his hat and say, thank you for your time and move on and move on. Because he wants to do what he wants to do. And that's what right. you do. I mean, yeah. literally, I don't think you can put you in a box because you go from uh, son of a song <laughs> all the way to uh, um, this beard came here to party. And you run the gamut of it all. And it's fun. I mean, right. like everybody knows it's like fun. live people. It's like you take them on a little musical journey. Sure. Get it. And then all of a sudden. You put that on a record and people in music are like, oh, you can't do that. It needs to all be this or it needs to all be that. It's like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why are we so diverse now in every different facet of life except music has to be a thing? They have to put a label on it. You know? they, they have to. It and I mean, is this, you know? Right. I mean, that's and, when you come out with all these T-shirts that say, fuck pop country. At the end of the day, there's all <laughs> right. these there's all these things that define um, what music is. Why? I mean... Why would you define that as a bad thing? Because they're, yeah. they're obviously making money on it. They're signing these bands that are doing stuff like that. There's certain bands that fall into that um, genre that I appreciate. I like because I like them as people. But that's the way I look at stuff now. I look at Michael Ray after he's been here th three times. After I got to know him, I looked at his music a little bit different. Not that I didn't like it before, but I look at it a little bit different. And I think once you get some sort of... Um, time with somebody whether you see them live or you get to experience them outside of what they do you get a new appreciation for who they are you're a totally different animal though but i mean i can appreciate everything you do for animal animal <laughs> i mean i look at the stories of jake rose and i mean you write with stevie monson Stephen barker lyles all these dudes they're good people but they're all completely different they're not right. none of them are i wouldn't say love and theft is anything like jake rose's right and his background isn't country right you know sort of thing and yours what's the first song you ever played like for yourself, you got a guitar. Uh, probably "House of the Rising Sun." Yeah, by the Animals. And it was something that you just wanted to learn. My mom wanted me to learn it because she was a big fan. Yeah, so I learned a lot of stuff that I was listening to at the times: Easy Top, Creedence Clearwater Revival, right? Chris Ledoux, you know that kind of stuff. So. Your relationship with ZZ Top and Billy Gibbons. How did that all start? That started in 2013 with this beard came here to party. So I had the chorus and. Uh, a former manager of mine was like, hey, I know somebody that knows somebody that knows Billy Gibbons. I'm going to see if I can get it to somebody that gets it to somebody that gets it to Billy. Right. I'm like, oh, that's likely. Yeah. Cool <laughs> but, story, bro. I'll be at Del Taco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She took a shot, and sure as shit, he showed up in Nashville, and we wrote the song. We recorded it. We, you know, I can't afford to be in the studio every day. Everyone's like, oh, so you booked the studio for that? I'm like, no. All of this magically happened on one day, and it was magically during the Boston Red Sox playoffs. Right. And Paula, the, my former manager, had a lot to do with a lot of that magic happening. But got to the Red Sox. They won the World Series. Next thing I know, nationwide, under every hotel room door is a picture of me, Billy, and the Boston Red Sox. And it said, this beard is here to boogie. Right. And it was like a nationwide publication. I'm like, holy shit. Is that one of the years in the World Series they all grow out their beards? Yeah. Because they always yeah. have some sort of crazy. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a baseball fan. Yeah, see, means. that's all I know. I, I started, they interviewed me like for the Boston Globe, and they were like, 
Huh? <laughs> Asking me about the red socks. <laughs> uh, does that mean they wear red socks? Yeah. Like, okay. What's what's an RBI? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know what that is, but yeah. I'm not. I I just have never. I used to go watch the Phillies when I was a kid. I lived back east. I'd go watch the Phillies, but I never really. I know. I, I didn't like you. Ha. <laughs> ha. Why? Because you're I don't hot. Get it. I don't get it. Because I'm hot. Because <laughs> I'm hot. I would say, who's your football team? But you'd be like, um, the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, the Braves. The Braves are really good. They have a cool logo. Yeah, they shot a field goal once. <laughs> <laughs> we did the uh, national anthem for the Minnesota Vikings, like their championship game. And the night before, I'm like hand up against the window looking at this ginormous stadium. Have you ever seen that stadium? It's Big. insane. It's brand yeah, new. Only on TV. And I said, Brian, how many periods do they have in a football game? And I was being dead serious. And he's like, I don't know. Once a month, will you fucking go to bed? <laughs> Like people get frustrated with me with my like zero knowledge of sports, yeah. but yet I hang out with like a lot of NFL players. I do a lot of charity stuff with them, and I think they get a kick out of them. Like my my nephew went to me with me to this NFL charity through Brian Robinson, who I met uh, through the Vikings. All these NFL players, Luke Combs came. He's the other musician that came. And I had to bring my nephew there to tell me, like, who was who. And he kept getting so <laughs> embarrassed of me, like, dude, didn't know. Tim, stop. I'm just like, what's up, dude? <laughs> I think that's probably the best part because they know that you're not there for the wrong reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you fit right in in that sense, right? Um, funniest story. I got to tell you a funny story about that. So me and this guy are still, like, so tight. So uh, I fly into Houston. I pick up my nephew, Jake. He, he's taller than me, beard just like me. We look just alike. He's a big son bitch. And uh, we get in his mom's truck, and we're driving up to, uh, what well, I forget what lake that is, Lake, uh, huge lake outside of Houston, blah, 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 blah. Sam Rayburn. We're going up to do Brian Robinson's tournament to raise money for police. We're going through Jasper, Texas, and we start reading, like, some of the horrible, like, hate crime shit that happened back there. We're like, oh, my God, what the hell? And all of a sudden, the GPS, like, takes us on this, like, crazy back road back there, and... I'm like, oh, and I see, like, we're going through this trailer park, and there's, like, this black guy with a cowboy hat holding a chicken staring at me, like, with his <laughs> eyebrows, and I'm like, oh, my God, they, he hates me. And I, like, keep driving, like, what is happening? Are we not? What are, uh? yeah, we're wrong way, wrong right? way. So we get way back in there where we're losing cell service, and the road is washed out. And I'm like, I get out, and I'm, like, feeling very uncomfortable. I mean, I'm talking 30, 40 minutes on this road. And I flew in, so I don't have a gun on me, a carry gun. I'm just out in the woods in Texas. We're right. reading about all this horrible shit that happened there. And all of a sudden, this car starts coming behind me, and I, like, freak out because I'm like, there's nowhere to go. We're trapped. There's a car. They, they clearly the followed gone, us. Right? They clearly followed us in here to kill us. And so we jump in. I'm like, Jake, all right, either I can floor it through this ditch or I'm just going to back over these motherfuckers and get out of here. Like, oh, we're just so freaked out. We're so convinced we're going to die for whatever reason. And I look, and I'm like, that's a really nice car. And I was like, there's, like, one black guy in there by himself. And so I jump out of the car, and I'm like, and Jake gets out, and I'm like, Hey, dude, and we start waving, and this guy hits the brakes, puts it in reverse, burns out, slinging dirt everywhere, and starts to take off. And I yell, Brian Robinson charity event! And he hits the brakes, and he rolls down the window, and he goes, Oh, my God, dude, I was on this road, and I was reading about all the bad shit in Jasper, and I see these two big, terrifying white guys. you got the road blocked, and you're coming towards me. And I thought you were going to kill me, and I'm like, I thought you were going to kill us. And uh, I look, and I'm like, do you play football, my nephew? elbows me and he's like dude that's tory smith the two-time super bowl champion wide receiver for the eagles and i'm like oh my god i'm like are we supposed to be best friends right now yeah is this how this is gonna work out <laughs> so him and i to this day he told that whole story on his facebook page and it's unfortunate that we would think each other is gonna kill each right. other but the friendship molded from that because you still talk to him to all, today he yeah. facetimed me the other day with some girl questions 
He was like, girl he's question. grill. Oh, he said grill. Girl question. I was like, how the fuck are you the answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> the last time I checked, you were working at a bar in Greenwich. In <laughs> Greenwich. Right? Back roads in Texas, you know. You're, uh, fixing the world. <laughs> <laughs> you find yourself tied with, 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 with all these different people. Um, how'd you man. meet Kid Rock? I met him through Rob O'Neill, uh, the guy that killed Bin Laden. Is yep. from my hometown. So he got invited. Obviously, Kid Rock wanted to meet him. And they met through the Deuces on Fox News or something. And so, um, what was I going to say? So he flew Rob to Nashville because he's got a place there. And then Rob said, well, come up. I don't want to go up without you, blah, blah, blah. So he brought me up there. And me and Kid hit it off, Bobby. And we, I started playing his parties. Right. And then that led to touring with him. And then that led to songwriting with him. And then that led to getting some songs uh, on his record, which is really cool. So he's, Super been, fun. he's been really good to me. Yeah, that's good. He throws uh, my kids in his pool. My kids have a Kid Rock cuss jar. It's funny. It's like loaded with cash because he's like, he kept cussing in front of my kids. And they're like, Bob, stop cussing. And he's like, look, here's the deal. I'm Kid Rock. I'm going to cuss. Right. But you can tax me every time I cuss. So they'd be like, fuck. And my Savannah's like, my daughter Savannah's like, 20 bucks, Bob. <laughs> and then quickly this jar just filled with cash. It's pretty awesome. What so are you going to buy with it? Uh, hopefully, a car, beer bongs, <laughs> college fun. Yeah, college. Have, a, have them over more often. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So your your life just seems like one that most people would want to live. I mean, you're you're, I want to say in bed, but you hang out with like pretty cool people. Yeah. You get to do what that's you a, love to do cool for a living. Friends, yeah. You're you're not signed to a label. No, you're. I mean, you are you are Tim Montana. I mean, what happened to the Shrednecks? Are they still around? Is that what those guys? Yeah, are but doing? it was just once you know we started getting played on the radio, and you realize that name is super long. F- so there's still the Shrednecks, but it's just easier to remember Tim Montana. Right. Know, How long know. have you played with these guys? Uh, Brian's been in the band five or six years. Matt's been in probably almost two years. And the rest, Tom's been in pretty recently, and TJ probably. Right. TJ some merch with us. He's actually Kid Rock's neighbor. That's how I met him. So, I've got a good good group of guys. Though. They're fun to travel with. They're yeah. just sick bastards. They, they put up with your shit. So either either this is what happens. Either you're the one that shines, or <laughs> something else is going to change. Because this is my second time around. All these guys. I think I don't know if they were all here last time, but I don't know how. I don't think we hung out per se back then, but. Um, you were just in town for shot show. Yeah, shit show. I got shot to see a shit show. <laughs> I got to see a fun side of you guys. I just remember you looking at me going, "Toad's gonna shit" when you played your second set. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got hung out to dry that night, man. I know. Yeah, but it was a cool event, dude. That was that was a pretty badass event. It was, was funny. Fun. The first set, I think when you started playing, I don't know if you guys scared people or it was too loud or whatever. They kind of like I just saw them kind of go the thing, and then you, the second set, it was like. Uh, you couldn't move in the fucking room. It yeah. was crazy. It was this like a beautiful ma- thing called alcohol. Yeah. I, I think maybe they got a drink in them, but then everyone yeah. was just fucking having a great time and you know how to um, command a stage. That's for damn sure. Yeah. We like, we like to have fun. The stage parts fun, you know, yeah. I have like a fear of airplanes. So my doctor like prescribed me some stuff and he's like, this is, these are stage fright pills. You might find this like useful on stage too. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that problem. I fucking love that. Like, it's funny. I get anxiety in crowds, but when I'm on the stage, it's different. I, I think when I have anxiety, I think about being on stage, and, and you're it fine. Makes, it calms me down. That's funny. I don't. I've been this way for a long time, where um, I don't like going to a place where there's a lot of people. I hate crowds. I hate them. Right. I just I'm not comfortable in them. I've never been comfortable in them. But everyone's like, "But dude, what do you do for a living?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I know my escape route. I know where I can go if I need a minute just to be myself. I'm not stuck. I'm not trapped. I know that there's a back door. I know all these ways to get out and everything like that." Yeah. But that's one thing I don't like. Planes. Um, I'm okay with them. I flew to yeah. London and uh, that was a long flight. Did not love it, but my wife tricked me into going to Germany and she told me it was a five hour flight. <laughs> 
I was like, wait a minute. And then she's like, it's a red eye. It's only five hours. And I was like, okay, I'll go with you. And I got my little flying pills, my little my little Valium scotch cocktail I take, and uh, got on the plane. And then I, they like take off. They're like, all right, flight time is nine hours. And I'm like, bitch. And she's already asleep. All right. You set and then, me up. And then she wakes up in the morning. She looks over at me. And even if I drug myself on a plane, this old boy ain't falling asleep. No. I don't care if it's red eye, nine hours, really? ten hour. I'm awake, always window open, staring at the wing, just making sure shit's on, you know, attached. <laughs> wow. Just don't like it. And, the, and I fly more. I've probably flown like eight times in the last three weeks. Like, you know. Right. Well, shit, yeah, you've been traveling, man. Yeah, and it, it never gets more comfortable. I convinced myself that if I just do it more and I do it more and I, maybe I'll, when I'm done in Greenwich working, you know, at a bar, <laughs> and maybe I'll be a flight attendant for a year. <laughs> Live all these lives. Dude, I'm telling you, that's one job I couldn't do. There's no fucking way in hell that no. I could get up and get on a plane and fly three, four, five times a day. There's no way. Yeah. I can't. Like, I get off a plane and I'm <sighs> ground, yeah. that sort of thing. I get yeah. so excited when we land, too. It's like I always want to party. You right. Know, people are like, why are you celebrating? I'm like, I fucking live. I never understood, like, when you fly to Vegas, everybody claps on the plane when they land. It's like the weirdest thing in the world. Because everybody's coming here to party. Yeah, yeah. Except us. We're coming here to work. To work. Asses you ain't for you. We're you here to work. We're here to work for Dude, you. You know what? Toad. What you do for fun um, and make a living at it's a pretty rad thing. Yeah. Bless life, man. Yeah. Totally bless life. One more thing for you. I know that um, there's a band out there that I absolutely love. I hate him. No, you don't. I probably do. No, you don't. You want to bet? Uh, okay, I'm not taking that bet. No, we wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Because I would just be, oh, ZZ Top. You know, and then I win. No, Dave Grohl. And um, yeah. your um, your story of meeting him, let's run through that. I know it, but these yeah. people might not know it. So let's talk about. I don't know. Girl. These people are put, you know, and a lot of like other artists like ask me like, why do you get to meet all these people? Because there's artists that are eight billion times more successful than me and have hits on the radio that don't get to be around. And I don't. I honestly don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just there's a plan from some master plan. Sure, everything like, happens for a reason. I'm like, man. what is it, God? Why are you doing this? I'm still poor. <laughs> but um, so I'm just playing Memphis in May. I, I work with Trigger Grills. I'm on their pro team, and I'm just sitting there playing music and yada yada yada, acoustically thinking how hot it is and how there's not really anybody here. And all of a sudden, there's a dude with a baseball cap and a cigarette. And what kind of drum is that? And I'm like David Grohl. Holy shit! And like he sits down. I said, "You want to play Smells Like Teen Spirit?" And he goes, "No." Well, he has he has to sit in. I mean, I'm like, okay, copy that. I said, <laughs> I said, House of the Rising Sun. He said, absolutely. So him and I played House of the Rising Sun. And oddly enough, there was a crowd. They must have loved my singing or something. Right. <laughs> did, Huge crowd. Did they think, I mean, did they realize who he was? Oh, immediately. Because he looks like Animal when he starts playing the drums. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's playing with his hands. And so then he says, let's walk the river, man. Let's talk about, let's talk about your life. I'm like, okay. So people kept like darting at him you know and uh he's very very good with all his fans but i was i would you know working a lot with billy and kid rock it's like you kind of learn how to sure. kind of help those guys navigate like yep. are you going to be just you know the little guy going around blowing them or are you going to like help you know with the whole process like hey guys we're getting him to the bus you know kind of do that and he's going to do his photos and whatnot but just try to keep, keep him moving, him moving. Right. exactly and so I kept moving. He's like, dude, you're really good at that. And I told him my life story. I'm like, man, I grew up in a trailer, really poor. I used to get beat on when I was a kid. And blah, blah, blah. But I always, like, my room was just filled with Nirvana posters. And right. I mean, honestly, that guy was, like, all over every while. I went through, like, this crazy Nirvana phase. And, um, and then told him about getting to work with Kid Rock. And so then we went and did a bunch of beer bongs. He got to meet my wife. We partied our faces off. And I got a text. That, like, she outdrank them all. Oh, yeah. yeah. But she, she's done it several times. She's, like, more legendary with Foo Fighters than I am. <laughs> and 
And I get a text at like three in the morning, and he's like, "Man, there's not a lot of rebels like like you left in the business. We got to stick together." I was like, "Holy shit!" That's a feather in your cap, dude. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, I started just him and I started talking, and he's a big barbecue junkie. So I started sending him some barbecue stuff, got him a Traeger. And I said, hey, someday I want to open for you guys. He's like, well, come hang out first because we're like a family thing. Everyone in our band has three kids. And I'm like, wow. I have three kids. No way. Yeah. So I went up to New York, Madison Square Gardens, did that. There's an iconic picture of my wife beer bonging. Saw it. She outdrank everybody. Then we went to California for Cal Jam. And he puts a trailer there next to everybody with my name on it. Like I'm, you know, a member of the band. And I'm just right. like, you're the fucking coolest motherfucker. And then I just, uh, my wife and I just went to his 50th birthday bash. Really? And uh, I got to, I don't, growing up off the grid, I even missed a lot of music stuff in MTV. So I'm bowling with this guy and he's got a British accent. I'm like, so you, you play music? Yeah. You tour? Well, I used to, I still do, but yeah. And the guy next to me is like, dude, do you really not know who you're bowling with? And it was that Rick Astley. Right. <laughs> That's right. The one hit wonder, Rick Astley. Right. Yeah. But just super cool guy. And his birthday party, man, it was like Tom Morello and Billy Corgan and Beck. And then out of all those people, Bill Nye, the science guy, was there. And I was like, what a random group. But What's Bill Nye doing there? He's buddies with Dave, man. Dave knows everybody. Dave's the he, shit. His, uh, I mean, I watch a lot of stuff with him online. And, I mean, he's he's uh, um, coming from what he came from, from the stuff that I watched growing up. Nirvana, Dave. Right. Uh, hearing the stories of um, how Kurt Cobain never wanted to be famous, but yet still was a singer in a band, never understood the logic behind that. Like either you do it or you don't, right? Sort of thing. But then you look at Dave that comes and sits down. I would hate to be Taylor Hawkins the first day that he ever walked into a room <laughs> to try out for him. Like, right. how do you do that? Like, be like you going to try and play guitar for ZZ Top and join the band because you sit back and there's these two dudes that have their own style and their own. Right. But. I mean, that whole process is neat. I, I watch uh, a lot of his stuff online. He's super giving with his fans, and I just, you get to that level. That's badass, dude. Yeah, but, still bongs beers with his buddies, you know? Um, I've seen some videos. seen some videos. I, we had this deal. I don't know how sober you were uh, when we had the deal. but I, I wasn't. But we're going to make it again, that when you do open, uh, we just need two passes. And I don't care where it's at. But Chris and I are going to come, and I'll drink yeah. that night. I will beer bong that night with you. I don't even <laughs> give a shit. I'll probably need three days to recoup, but I would want and, and love to be blessed enough to watch you do what you do um, with someone that you want to do that with. Like That's probably an, uh, a bucket list thing, probably bigger than a bucket list, because you look at him in a different level, and now getting to know him, right? I'm kind of hoping it's in London or some shit like that. He does this yeah, big show. Yeah, <laughs> You get like to... before I pop the question, my buddy's like, "No, ask him for like some obscure date. Like everyone wants to do Madison Square Garden. He's yeah. like, ask him for like Sioux Falls. Yeah, <laughs> call in the favor for like, right? You know, wherever Omaha, somewhere. Just you know, I've seen them probably three or four times live. I saw him lucky enough to see him at a small show here. They played the joint inside the Hard Rocket before they changed the whole room. And um, probably my favorite thing is to watch him and Taylor go back and forth on the drums because it's just. To me, it's so epic and iconic for yeah. what their time was and what the new time is. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're everything about those guys too. And I've talked to him, you know, about his live show and how he does it. And he's like, man, he's like, you know, was saying a lot about why they're so success successful. Is he's like, you know, I think people come to see us fuck up. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, because it's raw, right? It's they really don't plan it. Yeah, that's they don't plan it a ton, and there's definitely no tracks. And that's just where I started like watching like. Kid Rock and the Foo Fighters, and I just realized there's like not really anybody in Nashville doing that. Like right. just bringing the shit on stage, like jumping around, falling, knocking shit over. And I'm just like, I want to do that. You know, right. it's hard for me to 
go out and enjoy like country music. It's like, I love it, but it's like, I need energy. I need to like, I need to believe that you believe what you're selling me. Right. And it's so hard to find that in Nashville. And then I go out with these guys. I'm just like jaw drops. I love every time I've been to a Foo Fighters show, I'm like rocking out and crying at the same time. And I'm just like, I feel something because he feels something. Sure. So to all the other musicians, musicians out there, fucking feel something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you have to, you have to do what you believe in. Um, uh, there was an artist that rolled through here. I'm not going to say any names. Douchebag. Um, he cut a song <laughs> that wasn't in his wheelhouse just so he could get his name out there and very forthright about, about it, which to me is like, that goes back to the radio game. I get so bummed out. Like coming through here, we have some larger acts that come through here and then the radio reps come out and then the, the label reps come out and um, the publishing people come out and I just watch them kiss ass. And it's just so disturbing. It's so disturbing. It really yeah. is. I mean, why would you kiss somebody's ass to get something that you want in this world like that? You don't need to anymore. You really, I don't Kid think Rocks is never suck a dick, but tickle the balls. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I think that um, recently we had a situation where I watched a label guy literally have his head so far up a radio dude's ass that I just sat there and I went, this is like, you're selling your, your soul. That's what you're doing right now. For what? For somebody else? Like, right. I don't, I don't understand the <laughs> logic. trying to get the song on the radio and you know, it used to be this deal, the, the song, you know, did it for a you. Hit song wins, the song will win. And it's sure. not the case anymore. It's who's putting the money behind it. And you know, you know, they can't, they can't do payola anymore, but they can no. sure buy fucking gift cards. And Hell yeah. You can <laughs> still go to Hawaii. You can still go to Hawaii for oh, yeah. a music it's all thing. It's part of the game. You know, it's yeah. unfortunate. But, you know, everyone's bitching about streaming music and how it's, oh, no one's getting paid. But I'll tell you one thing it's done is leveled the playing field a lot. Absolutely. You know? Because so. you can take someone that's here and someone that's here and put the two together and boom. Guess right. what? I mean, they're on the same. You get to meet a guy like John Marks who's going to playlist some of your stuff, no matter how big or small you are. You're going right. to go up against a, a Luke Holmes. and. And do just fine. Luke, and the people play. get to decide. I mean, that used sure. to be, someone described it to me. I forget who it was. Someone in the business was saying that, you know, it used to be these record guys would sign something because they believed in it and they'd put it on the radio and they'd let the people decide. And then all of a sudden they decided to let the guys in the mailroom decide. And then all of a sudden the guys in the mailroom became the executives and they decided that they're going to decide because sure. they know. And now the people, you know, they have a decision to a point. But if you look at, the behind the scenes, not really. No. That decision is made, you know, before it ever hits the radio. I get bummed out because I have a lot of friends in radio in this market, outside of this market. Um, my background has been in music for a while, 20 plus years. And I used to do shows at the House of Blues here, four wall the event and bring in my own bands and do stuff. I loved it. I enjoyed doing it because I would take someone like you with someone who's indie, with someone who's rock, with someone who's rap. And guess what I got now? I got four or five bands, all different genres. Collecting two fifty from each one of them. Now I got a thousand to twelve hundred people in a room, and it worked every right. single time. It was like the perfect fit. But I would sit back and I would I would I would watch these artists and not be themselves, and it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating yeah. because they 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 wanted to be what was what was hip. And the end of the day is you find out the people that are going to make it because I mean they have they have this dream and goal. I'm going to a thing with I watch an artist who's done very, very well on Spotify. Very well. 40, 50 million streams of one single. And is backing it up right again. And I talk to my radio friends that have to play the game. And I sit back and I'm like, why wouldn't you play this? Based on this alone, people like it. Like, you, you don't have to guess anymore because Spotify will tell you whether or not people like it. Because if they found it and they're sharing it with their friends, they're going to get millions of streams. Right. In a short amount of time. It's easy now. Uh, but they won't play it because they're saying, um, I don't want to be the first one to play it. Yeah. <clears throat> Everybody's no one wants to be the Maverick. There used to be a lot of Mavericks and I think there still are a few. There's a few. Know? I mean, 
Chris Stapleton good. got to where he was because someone gave him a shot when he didn't. I mean, but you can't deny that guy's talent. Dude, you know, but, hell no. But why did it take him so long? I don't know. I mean, he was. I, w- I am like an old school. Like, people start so- talking Stapleton. I was like, man, I was there for the Steel Drivers, I was there for the Johnson Brothers. Those are bands that, that he was in before. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the, the Steel Drivers when I first got to town. Just like, oh my god, like wow, this guy's my hero. And then he started a rock band called the Johnson Brothers, and I was going and seeing those guys. And, <clears throat> and then he blew up, and I'm just like, wow, finally, like the world sees it. You know, yeah. it was like somebody had to take a shot on him. You know, he was older, bigger guy, but it's like I got to write with him and Billy Gibbons once. And you did was like that was bucket list. Check that one off, dude. So my mom, huge Justin Timberlake fan. Uh, she calls me year, year and a half ago, went whenever it was, and said, "Oh my god, I just saw this video with Justin Timberlake and this brand new guy named Chris Stapleton." <laughs> and I went, my, "He's been around longer than Justin yeah. Timberlake's been around." But there that's was that me. moment, like you, the moment that he was on the CMA Awards with Justin, it was yeah. like game over. Yeah, like, he's, totally he's a star. And people sit back, and I, I've heard the frustration or read it online where they're so frustrated because he wins everything. But I'm just yeah. like sit back, and I'm Good. like, well, "Fuck, dude, he's." <laughs> I mean, year got, after like, year. raw talent. Like, that guy could just, I mean, he is the singer of our generation. Sure. And his biggest and his biggest fan is his wife, it seems. Like, yeah. she pushes him to be a better man all the time. And you hear him humble every time he wins. And I just think that's that's what music should be about. I think that you should take a platform, a streaming platform that does tracking right in front of your face that says what people want to listen to. I mean, I come in here and I talk to an artist that they have different goals than you have, in a sense. They still want to play music, but they want to play it um, down Music Row. Right. They want to do it that way. So I ask them, like, is it single after single? Are you looking to do albums? Like, what is your process? And they all kind of follow the same thing with the ability to release something week after week because they can, because they have the ability to with a streaming platform versus I'm the fan that I'm going to listen to your music because one single might bring me in, but I'm going to go back and listen to everything else. Right. And that's, I think, what the world is becoming because you can start to see it now. People don't just yeah. listen to one song. If th- I'm sure every show you go to, people will hear something different or like something different. There's those people that are going to go out and search and research yeah. and find more about you and where you came well, from. That's, I'm, I'm noticing that with American Thread coming out, being on TV. All of a sudden, people are like getting these mad. This beer came here to party. That's all new to them. It's sure. like, you know, anytime you think. Oh, a new record. It's like, I really have not been heard by the world. Haven't. Know? Not even by a fraction, you know, a small fraction of the United States. You right. Know? <clears throat> Still like infancy levels in my career. And then, you know, we're shooting the Mostly Stone video starting, actually we start tomorrow with, or uh, Sunday morning with pre-production. Right. And this is the biggest, scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Dude, it's badass. I mean. I wrote a check for $80,000 today. But how neat <laughs> is that that you get to do what you love? <clears throat> it's pretty awesome. And you get to do it on a level that most people will never see. You have a house. You don't live in your in your in your double wide anymore. Right. I listen to your music, motherfucker. <laughs> You've got a beautiful wife and kids. You've got uh, um, people around you that 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 obviously believe in you. I'm not going right. to say us here, but yeah, you guys uh, definitely don't, dude. We love you. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that I'm the guy that's going to go after the artist that that not necessarily is going to follow the mainstream because right. I've never been that way. I've Actually, my buddy JR, he programs the highway. He said to me once, he's like, do you want to read a book or do you want to write a book? That's it, man. And I was like, I want to fucking write a book. So about that, <laughs> would you ever take and sit down and do something like that? Because you've got stories, dude. Your your youth is... is uh, yeah, I think at some point, you know, I mean, from... <laughs> Growing up in the shadow of the Montana militia to, you know, meeting all of my heroes. And, sure. And I think this, I, I, don't, I don't know, without like great struggle, I wouldn't be here. You know, I, I mean, I used to have my guitars taken away when I was a kid. 
you know, my stepdad used to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? A, a rock star. And I wasn't allowed to wear shorts because he told me I look like a faggot all the time and just beat my mom up. I mean, he was right. just bad, you know. And so I had to struggle my whole life, you know, to, like, play music. And I think that kind of set the course for <laughs> I'm still struggling, but I'm still, like, after it. You know? But, I mean, to me, you're not. I mean, you've you've built this thing around you that's family, um, friendship. I mean, yeah. what more do you ask for there, dude? Yeah. That's the blessing. Yeah. Fuck him. We have something similar in common. I grew up in a, in a I don't know my dad. Um, my mom was married a few times before I was 15. Um, nice. Um, and it was like uh, alcohol, uh, the beatings, all that kind of shit. But I, my son was born. I was 25. And I looked back at it and said, I'm never, I learned from this. I'm not going to be, right. I've never been married. I want to be married. Like it's a goal for me for sure. But I'm not saying my mom Will made me. No, twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that my mom, my mom made mistakes. She did whatever she did for herself. I love my mom to death. 74 years old. What do you say? Bless her heart. Yeah, bless her oh, heart. Boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Bless her heart, oh, boy. But it made me, when my son was born, to go, I'm never going to be like that. So I'm sure that growing up and you see things the way oh, yeah. you were, you never look at your kids the same way that your dad looked at you. Yeah. I, listen... I, just, I just remember, I just tell my kids I love them all the time. That was one yeah. thing. I always like longed for was like a person I looked up to male to like tell me he loved me. Sure. That he was rooting for me and I never got it. And I think in a weird way meeting, you know, like Billy Gibbons, like he's kind of like we were in the studio all week and he's like going through these solos with me and like I don't know. He should I, I look up to these people because I never had that. Sure. You know? So I've kind I'm of very found fa- that and very some familiar of my with that man. Rock star friends because I was told I'd never get there, I'd never meet these people and I did and they're nice to me and they're sure. good to me. Well they like, like you. And I respect them. Sure. And, and you know, I think a lot of these people like me because I'm genuine. Yeah. You know? like, You're a real person. Right. I think I'm authentic. You get yeah. what you get. I've said some interesting things on this interview, but it's all, you know, it's my part of my story. So. Dude, it's who you are. And that's why I think that um I have friends that have dove in deeper into where I came from and the things I've done. And they're like, dude, the people that, that you've met and the people you've been around, like uh, I was uh, 10 years old playing softball with Willie Mays. Yeah. And I sit back and like, who the fuck did that? Did he play guitar in the Eagles? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Fuck you. And I mean that. I mean that. I mean that. I actually got to see the Rat Pack, you know, shit shit like that. I mean, you, you, you sit back and it's kind of like, I grew up in a, in a, always been a music fan. My mom took me to see Fleetwood Mac when I was maybe 19, 20 years old, and she asked me to go with her as her plus one because she was going with these attorney people, and she just wanted to fit in sort of thing. And she's like, I appreciate you doing this for me. I'm like, Mom, Fleetwood Mac, I'm going to say I'm going to know more music than you. I'm going to know more of the songs that you want. She's like, whatever. We left there. She's like, what, what, how is that even possible? I'm like, I'm a music fan, Mom. Like, this is, that's what my room was. When I would go to my room after hearing all the things that I heard in the house going on, my escape was putting on my headphones. They were big motherfuckers like this. Oh, yeah. And I would put those things on and listen. Blue box on your shoulder <laughs> and stroll down the street. No, man, I didn't want anyone else to hear what I listened to. Like, yeah. and it was just one of those things where I grew up and I'm a lyric guy. I love listening to lyrics. I love finding, dude, son of a song is, uh, I listen to those lyrics. I have to play that tonight, aren't I? Yeah. I haven't played that in a minute. You should, dude, because it's like, it's one of those things. I watched Chris at your house when we played it that night. You played it for him. And he probably played it like seven times. I did. I watched Chris go into <laughs> you another. You guys are at my house. Yeah. <laughs> we broke in. I watched him go into another world. Like, yeah. literally sit back and it soaked up right into him. And I, it took me till the next day and the next day after that to listen to the lyrics before it hit me. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's like the realest thing I've ever written, you know? Cause dude, there was there was the mean stepdad, and then there was always my biological father that I was like, he's gonna show up any minute and fucking save me. Right? He's gonna be so awesome. I dreamt of this 
alter universe where he was like, right? He came back like Mary Poppins, yeah, taking his son here and there, and then all of a sudden I like get a call like, yeah, your biological father drank himself to death, and I'm like, oh my god, because I, you know, even though. I, he got arrested when I was like five, went to jail. He actually abducted me when I was a little kid. It's a whole other story. But he went to jail, never saw him again, and I just had this dream. But then, you know, they were like his wife at the time called, and she's like, I have a belt, says Tim, on the back, and I'm going to mail it to you. Never came. So I'm still looking for my phone. So waiting belt. for it. <laughs> you ever listen to Everclear, the band? Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of daddy problems, doesn't he? Father you of hear mine. A lot, you hear a lot of these guys, man. Sure. Father like of Tom mine. Tom Petty, too. Dude. I mean, I went to a show here where they played, and I, I, I was probably 17 years old, 16 years old, and I worked my way up to the rail, and there's the band. And they played that. My eyes never opened the whole thing. Got done with the song, and the girl standing next to me. Didn't know her. She just looked at me, and she goes, hit home. I turned around and walked away crying, man. I was like, this, yeah. like, I was like, these things, I thought I was the only one. Literally yeah. thought I was the only one. But, uh, dude, keep doing what you do, please. Like, Yeah, thank you. Your stories. And uh, I think that someday after you you quit that job in Greenwich, uh, bartending, I think. All <laughs> <laughs> my boys in Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Uh, I, I got time. a shirt, too. We rock this Stonewall shirt. It was really cool. I w- I'm going to go buy one just so I could be like you. Um, dude, take the time and write the book, man. I think yeah. that, that you'll probably inspire a lot more people than you think you would. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, it hits home to them. Yeah, cool, man. Thanks Where do people find me. you online, dude? TimMontana.com or watch an episode of Cops. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. I like it. At Tim Montana. All that stuff. Yeah. And you run your own social too. I do all of this. It. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest fear is I'm going to fuck something up. And now I'm finally at the point where I'm busy enough where I'm like, it could happen. That's, dude. <laughs> I'm just like paranoid. I'm going to miss a date or, you know, I kind of do everything on my own. The socials, the management, the, you know, I got a friend helping me book right now, but, uh, yeah, so we're getting there. This video shoot next week, man. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to come visit it. Most Wednesday. Stoned. I'm coming to visit stoned. Wednesday. You fucking leave me hanging. I'm kicking your ass. You're going to come find us. I'm on a flying robotic chair. Our director is pretty awesome. Okay, I'm going to be there. I'm going to see it firsthand. Yeah. I'm there. Dude, I'm yeah. flying out just right. for that. Come see you. All right. Thanks for the time. Country AF Radio's On Demand.